Okay, so in here it sounds more like a door. In first service it sounded like what happens to me in the morning. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the door of your heart. Church, there is a door to our heart. And God has a desire to protect that door. God has a desire that when we open the door to our heart, that we'll seek him in all things. Have you ever opened the door to your heart? Yeah, hello. Like some of you are sitting next to the person you opened it to, right? Okay, I think we've all done that at some point in our life or another. We have, well, maybe not right here, you know what I mean? But like you, you the spiritual heart, right? Okay, um, but the deal is, is that hearts can get what? They can get crushed. Yes, they can get broken, they can get shattered, they can get walked all over, they can get abused, they can get mistreated. And so it's risky, isn't it, when we open up our heart? It, it's a risk, right? When I stepped out and like the Lord really spoke to my heart and I knew that like Ashley was the one after the first time I met her and then I told her that and it was like, you know what, God, I just gotta say it, I just know it. I mean, it's a risk, and sometimes when we take that risk and we open the door to our heart, it gets uh, maybe stamped all over, maybe sometimes abused, maybe sometimes not treated right. Um, I don't know, this probably has not happened to any of you, but it happened to me. Like, you know, you fall in love with somebody in your head and then you go to them and like, you're a young kid, a teenager, and you say to her, you know, I, I just want you to know I'm in love with you. And she's like, wow, like, sorry, but that's not, you know what I mean? It rejects the gift. I mean, that's hard, isn't it? As a young dude, like, come on, it's happened to some of you. Hello, like, yes, right? I'm not the only one, but like, I mean, talk about rejection and talk about like, I ain't ever doing that again. You know what I mean? Like one and done, ain't doing that again, especially not in front of a friend who then later on does what? Like hits you and laughs. You know what I mean? Like I told you she ain't like you. I was like, I don't even believe you. But anyway, um, it's risky, right? When we open the door of our heart, we're exposing the depths of who we are. It's why God tells us to protect our hearts. God, God understands the heart of people. We also know that sometimes when we open up our heart, it can get damaged. And in that damage, there can come hauntings. There can come things that forever plague us, that forever change us. The interesting thing is, is that our heart and that which haunts our heart is with us. I mean, think about it. They're with us. They affect us. They change us. They move us. They guide us. Sometimes in a great way and sometimes in a not so great way. But the key is, and I want you to get this, that no matter what, you cannot run away from your heart. You cannot run away for your, from your heart. See, when we follow the direction of our heart, right, and you've got to remember this, God looks at the heart. We covered that last week. God is concerned with the heart he sees the heart of you and I, and it's so important to him. And church, I think God has a way, if we'll let him, and what we're going to talk about today, of protecting our hearts. Because whether you like it or not, the enemy is after your heart. And so today we're going to be in um, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 13. Um, normally we'd focus on one portion of this, but there's three very hidden and powerful moments in this scripture that Paul was speaking to the people there and it had everything to do with protecting their heart. And so if you've got that, Ephesians chapter six, uh, verses 10 through 13. And then once you have that, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. 
So the word stand, say stand. stand. That is the key word of the day. And you're going to see as I read this, there are three times that Paul uses that word stand, okay? And interestingly enough, when translated, all three are actually different words, and they all three mean different things. And today, we're going to go on a journey to understand the meaning of those and how it impacts us. Paul says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So here, significant, stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, again he says this, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. God, we come before you in prayer. God, I'm asking today that you would just come in power and might. I'm asking today that you would move in our hearts. God, I'm asking today that we would understand what Paul is saying here and how important it is for us to get rid of those things that are haunting our hearts and stand with you. God, I just, on my heart, I continue to lift up the victims and the people in Israel. And God, there's, there's bigger things at play here. God, I just pray that you'd be with them today, be with us today. And we ask today that you would come against the enemy in the name of Jesus, cast him out. And I just pray in this space and all the spaces in this building that your wholeness would be understood and stood with. God, we love you. We praise you. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, I'm going to talk first. I'm going to talk about something, and then we're going to go through the three words, and then I'm going to close with something. Um, first, I want to talk about a subject that uh, I really believe that in the church currently we are avoiding, and that is spiritual warfare. Church, here's the deal. I'm just going to be honest with you. Most of you in here, if you weren't forced to come today, you believe in God. If you believe in God, say amen. Amen. Okay, so if you believe in God, then you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You believe that he died and rose again on the cross, that he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, listening to you and working on behalf of you, and that he sent his spirit to be with you, to move and to just roam the earth and to be a part of giving us strength to face the things that the enemy is bringing to us. If you believe all of that, you've got to believe that there is spiritual warfare. You've got to believe that there is another work at hand. And oftentimes we like to just focus on all the good stuff and, and forget that there's an enemy that's after you and forget that there's spiritual warfare and forget that much of what we face is being faced in the spiritual realm for the sake of what? Our hearts. The enemy wants our hearts. Spiritual warfare has an end goal of capturing our hearts because God looks at the heart. And so why isn't the enemy wanting to capture your heart? Why, why wouldn't the enemy capture your heart through desires, through stuff, through people, through? He's after your heart. And he's doing it in ways that oftentimes we can't see. If you really understand like spiritual warfare and study it and look at what the scriptures say, there is a movement that I don't think that oftentimes we're prepared to see. And it's significant. And it's hard sometimes to discern truth 
So think about this for a second. There's multiple places in the word that talk about the enemy, that talk about Satan. If you look in Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 18, they're talking about a king, but if you understand the translation, it's actually a description of of Satan. If you look in Revelation, there is a description of the red dragon, right? Coming out of the water. Y'all don't like to talk about this stuff, but Revelation is there and it's for us. The revelation is for us. And the red dragon came up and did what? With its tail swooped one-third of all of heaven down for his service. It says, for his service. Now that's significant, because if you look in Scripture, it talks about there still being legions and legions of heavenly forces and heavenly beings that that could come in an instant if Jesus would have. And so one-third of all heaven was swooped with the enemy, with the red dragon. So church... (laughs) He doesn't have the power that God has, but he's got some power. And he's got some beings that are looking at you. And more specifically, looking to find a place that they can. How do we deal with the prince of darkness when it comes to the heart or the things that, that kind of haunt our hearts? Well, think about the structure. Scripture tells us that Lucifer um, was an angel of what? Of light and worship. Now, I know I'm going to sound old-fashioned here, right? Light and worship. But, but I'll tell you that the enemy knows worship, and the enemy knows that, that our goal, that, that our being is set up to worship and honor God. When we get to heaven, we're going to be doing a lot of what we just did, right? And I think it's going to be, like, wild and incredible and, and echoing and just beautiful and holy and just like we just experienced. And so he, he was an angel of light and an angel of worship, And so why not would he kind of scheme his way into music and into, because he knows music is a way to the heart. Why wouldn't he disguise himself as light, as good things, as drawing your heart in places that he knows what he's doing. And sometimes I think we've got to recognize and say, hey, it's not about the picture here. There's a bigger picture here. And Paul, of all people, man, knew all about him. But let me give you some key facts. Never in scripture does it say that he's omni anything. He, he, he omni meaning he can't be everywhere. He can't be in every place. He can't be in every, so he has limitations. So we can't say that everything's just him. Sometimes it's our bad choices. Sometimes it's a progression. Sometimes it's other things because he can't be everywhere. We also know that his power is limited. He has power, but it's limited so, so what are you saying? And what Paul is saying here is that the enemy likes to travel with you. See, he can't be everywhere. So he's got to travel with you. So what he does is he watches us. You wonder why like the same thing tri- trips you up like over and over again? Because he gets to know you. See, the, the great thing is, is that he didn't know us in the womb. He actually doesn't know your thoughts unless you like really let him in. And that's a whole different sermon, possession, all that. It's different, right? But what I'm saying here today is he didn't knit you together. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know what you're created for, but he learns you. He, he likes to learn you. He likes to watch you. And see, when he finally figures out what can get you, then he begins to work at that. Interestingly enough, Jesus, through Paul here, talked about this armor of God. And the armor of God wasn't to like walk around just around people. 
the armor of God was set up to have a force against this spiritual warfare that Paul and Jesus and all the apostles understood you were going to face. And so Paul took us on a journey and takes us on a journey by using three significant words. And the first is stand against. Can you say stand against? Okay. Unfortunately, oftentimes the world sees the church for what we're against rather than what we're for, right? We're for compassion and love and mercy and grace and transformation and empowerment and, and like freedom. And, and oftentimes the world doesn't see that. But I, I want to take you on a journey today with these three things. And it's so significant because it was so specific. And I'm not going to give you the translation because I can't say any, any of those. So I'm just going to let it be, okay? I'm going to let it ride. It's there if you want to know it. I'll send it to you. Anyway, uh, this first one, stand against the schemes, it translates as this. The methods that Satan uses to haunt us and the methodical skills he uses to do such with art. I'm going to say that again. You've you got to get this. The methods, yes, yeah, Satan has methods. Mind, mind this. He ain't stupid. Y'all treat him like he's stupid. You walk around nonchalant about your faith like he's stupid, but Scripture and Paul says he ain't stupid. The methods that Satan uses to haunt us and the methodical skills he uses to do such through art. What, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, it, it says here that he's methodical, precise, and systematic. Okay, if someone, do you have people in your life that are methodical, precise, and systematic? Boy, don't they drive you nuts, right? You come up with a plan, and it's like God's going to do this, and they're like, all right, well, well, wait a minute. When you look, I mean, and they start looking at details, and my wife does it. It's like, honey, just look at the big picture. You know what I mean? Like, we'll get there one day. Don't worry about the process, the details. Like, it's going to happen, you know? And she's like, no, there's money, there's stuff, there's shopping. There, you got to prepare, you got to plan. I'm like, now nah, let's just dig the hole. You know what I mean? And somehow, and aren't there still two holes dug in my? Yeah. I, anyway, the kids fall in and cry. Like, Dad still hasn't. I'm like, eh, that was one my ideas but anyway right that's not the enemy in fact Paul said to the people in this city because it was specific because somehow they were being surprised that the enemy was just showing up and tearing their hearts up stuff was happening they were just they were just crumbled they were crushed it's because the enemy has been watching you the enemy was watching them the enemy was actually not just watching them but methodically taking notes and showing up here and showing up there since he can't be everywhere. He saw you here and he saw you here and then all of a sudden he picked a pattern up. And then all of a sudden when he picked up a pattern, he said, oh, oh, I, I see. Well, what do you mean? Well, church, let's just be honest. He's watching your spiritual disciplines. We have got to get to the place where it may sound old-fashioned, but spiritual disciplines are huge. So he sees that like all of a sudden you stopped praying with your spouse and, and reading your word with the spouse and then, or your friend or your family or you stopped going to or you stopped serving and so he's like oh I got an idea for his or her time oh you know what I'm going to step in here and I'm going to draw the desire of the heart because I see that it was skipped for this so let me head over there and bless this do you know how often the enemy blesses our, our missteps or blesses where we skip. I mean, let's just be honest, church, and I'm just being real with you. Paul was saying, church here, Ephesians, you, the problem is, is that the enemy's watching you skip here and here, and a practice that was important here is no longer important here, and now you're here, and then all of a sudden you wonder why your heart's broken in your marriage. Look at the, the skip step a year ago. 
Church, the enemy watches when you skip. And then he steps in. Why? Because he's methodically seeking you. And he doesn't just want anything, he wants your heart. Because he knows that God looks at the heart. You know what he loves too? He loves this. He loves when we skip like spiritual things with our children. Oh, well, you know what? Devotions, I mean, you know, reading the word, I mean, studying with, we'll do, it, there's just no, this, 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 and this is so much more important, so we're going to make that a priority. You know how many church people are making things for their children that aren't a priority, a priority? And y'all better wake up like Israel, come on, read the end times. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying like read, wait, and watch the bear, the nations come to get, come on now. And we acting like he ain't methodical. And we're sitting at home, we skip tonight. You know what the enemy does when we skip? He steps in. And, and then your kid goes through something and they happen to be in the bathroom at school and a friend is there and then all of a sudden the friend says and then all of a sudden they say, oh my goodness, you're right. And then all of a sudden their base isn't there with you and so they seek them and then all of a sudden they're more and the enemy says, that skip worked. That, that skip worked. And then you know what he did? He learned a little more about you. And so he watches for the next skip. And then he watches for the next word. And he loves the times that you skip the spiritual practices so that he can come in and church Paul said, and all of scripture actually tells us that Satan is methodical and Satan is precise and Satan is no joke. And Satan is warring after your heart. You're not haunted for no reason second thing he said is to withstand first, so first he said like okay don't treat these these schemes that he has we, we pray about it we actually pray that it would stop I mean I think every pastor I know they pray about like in the name of Jesus stop the schemes of the enemy we say it but but do we live in a way that we start to say you know what no I'm going to stand against that scheme and I'm not going to skip. I'm not going to stop. This is going to be a priority. I am going to pray. I am going to, my spouse and I are, my kids and I are, my mom and my, no more am I going to, because I know when I do, he's going to come in and his schemes begin to birth and then his schemes begin to take priority and then all of a sudden our heart is torn and we're not sure what to believe or what to think. And Paul said, like, if you've got the full armor on, then you should be, able to withstand what does that translate as well to oppose what is opposite of you rejecting the substitution let me say it again to oppose what is opposite of you rejecting the way I forgot the way of the substitution I'm taking a funny journey are you ready for it okay um, my wife a couple years ago after I got COVID and stuff like it just seemed like every time I use because I do all the cleaning and so every time that I use the they're so quiet today are you all okay all right, I do very little cleaning, but anyway, she does a lot of cleaning. Our house is all really nice, but um, I do the toilets and stuff, and like every time I feel like I would have an asthma attack, all that Lysol and bleach and stuff, and so I just said, honey, I gotta stop cleaning, and she said, no, no, we'll find another way, you know what I mean? So the toilets are all yours, you know, but everything else is hers. So um, she went and got this Mel Lucas stuff. It's like all natural, and I'm not even kidding. I can like clean that toilet and clean that toilet. I never breathe heavy. I don't need my inhaler. I don't crawl away like an old man. You know what I'm saying? Like I used to. And so we started using that. Um, but then one day, um, this stuff showed up in the mail. It was clear. And uh, I, I was like, honey, 
I love all these new products and I can breathe so much better. You know what I mean? It's great. But this is, when I was a kid growing up in Jersey, we always had the commercials. You remember Dawn and the little duck that was covered in oil? Do you remember it? I might be too old. But anyway, in Jersey, we had those commercials and they would pour the Dawn on and gently wash, you know, all that, you know, color number five, the blue. And, and they, would, they would wash them and like scrub them and then they'd come clean because, you know, Dawn does what? It gets rid of grease, right? And, and so I just said, honey, this clear stuff that just came in, it just doesn't feel like Dawn. You know what I'm saying? And like growing up, we had palm olive, which is not Dawn. It's a lot watered down. But anyway, um, I said, let's just, let's just stick with one of them and let's stick with the Dawn, okay? I like the blue, a lot of coloring in there. And so I like that. And so we stuck with the dawn because I just, in my mind, all, all my life, like there was just something about dawn. It saved ducks, you know what I mean? And we like ducks. And so I just felt like I didn't want to substitute that. I was okay with, with substituting everything else, but I, I didn't want to substitute that. Church, Paul was saying here, you are substituting. And not only are you substituting, you are letting other substitutes be your substitutes. So as your fellow believers substitute in their faith, then you hold on to their substitution and then not, I mean, it's so watered down that you don't, well, well, what do you mean? Well, think about it here. Think about this. Oftentimes, we we open our hearts up and we, we allow ourselves to go down a path that ends in heartbreak and what's funny is when that heartbreak comes, a lot of times we do what? We think, you know, well, so-and-so who like really has it together spiritually, they, they kind of said, are, are you sure? Have you, have you thought about it? I mean, let's get real. How many of you opened up your heart and really stepped into a relational journey and then found out that that little check in your heart a couple years ago, there was a reason for that check and that was the Holy Spirit saying, you throwing your heart at this, it ain't gonna Let me be honest with you. We are already teaching our oldest daughter, don't just throw your heart out for some man. Ain't every man that you find or want you is good. So don't open your heart up and just throw it out and have them crush it. When you know if they're not a good, godly person seeking after all that God has, you better ask them. Because guess what? If you don't ask them and you don't know for sure, don't be shocked when you find out their faith is this deep and it was just to be in church because their mom and dad said, Come on, women, y'all got to find out about your men because God has good for you. And Paul was saying, you know why y'all are watered down? It's because you have not withstood. You have not said no to the substitution. In church, we do it. We let people live a mediocre, they don't give, they don't serve, and they rise up, and then all of a sudden, they're like the head, and we're associating with them because we want to substitute because we don't want to be all in, and then all of a sudden, the church is a substitution instead of the real thing. And we don't look like Jesus. And so then all we know is what we stand against and not for. Church, we are a people of substitution. We are a people. And and what's funny is it didn't just start with us. It, It was here. This church that Paul was speaking to, he was saying, why are you okay with mediocrity? Why are you okay with a substitute? Why are you looking at this? This was created by the enemy, and once you step into it, he's gonna crush you. He's gonna cut you. He's gonna shatter you. He is gonna break your heart, and that's gonna haunt you, and it's gonna haunt you, and it's gonna haunt you. It's why the scripture said, reject the way of substitution. Because you know what? Sometimes substitutes just... Well, think about this. All of us have been in school at some point, right? Whether you dropped out or not, it didn't matter if you did, but at some point you had a substitute, right? 
a substitute teacher come in. Now, a lot of times as a student, you love that, right? But if you're honest with yourself, right, the substitute never gave you as much information or care or time as the teacher. Whether you like your teacher or not, right, a substitute isn't invested. They're just there to maintain. But you, you know what we do? We let a substitute called the spiritual enemy of our soul, of our heart, come in and just be enough. When the teacher, when the lover of our soul when the God who knew us before the schemer knew us is waiting to say, that's just good for a day, but I, I can get you through to the, but yet we just settle. Because, you know, a substitute gets us through that day, right? It's okay. We pass the test. We make it to the, and yet Paul was saying to the people, why? Why when there is such a richness waiting on the other side for you? He said, reject, withstand, the way of the substitute. Then he said this word, stand firm. Now I was fascinated by this because I didn't, until I looked at the translation, I didn't get that it's written as a communal. So he's building on himself here, right? He's building on the words and then all of a sudden he said, this is a communal charge. Well, what do you mean by a communal charge? Well, it actually translates as stand your ground, binding together with people of the same heart. He was saying, you can't do this on your own. You're probably gonna need somebody to, as a pastor, I've got pastors that like are honest with me. But when I asked them to mentor me, I said, listen, I, I can have a lot of like, hey, you're great, you're this, you're that. And, and that's what most people seek. I said, but I don't want that. So like, I want you to really be real with me. When I'm going through something, I want you to say, you know what, Joe, this is your part and that's this part and, and let's, and Paul was saying this, he was saying in order to stand, you have to stand firm and you have to bind together with like-minded and like-hearted people who are seeking the heart of God with all they have, who aren't accepting substitutions, who are aware that the enemy's a schemer and so they're scheming back because you know what, we're more artfully artistic. I don't care if you're artistic or not, God that created, created you and so you're more creative than the, and so start scheming and then you bind together with people who are really in it, not just in it as a substitution, but really in it, then let me tell you something. If you step in those three ways, I don't know how the enemy, he might break your heart, but it, you just throw that one away and say, I got a new one because God refreshed me today. And so he said, say no, bind with others. There's strength in obedience and there's strength when multiple people are obedient standing firm together the enemy can try but you know what he can just keep trying there was a movie a couple of years ago um, called the war room and and it kind of started a movement and a lot of people did like prayer rooms and stuff and and i think it's still huge today and has a place but i want you to listen to this clip here i don't know where you are devil but i know you can hear me you have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. 
So take your lies, your schemes, and your accusations and get out in Jesus' name. So you'll know this about me. I'm not a fan of using video clips or movies and stuff because I don't know the heart of the actors, but I know Priscilla Shire. And she is a woman of God who stands for the things of God. And when she was interviewed about this, she's like, I do this. I cast the enemy out. I stand up and stand out. And church, you have got to start acting as if the enemy is after you. And I don't mean give him more credit than he's due, but you better give him some credit and start saying no and start saying not today, and start saying this can't be. I'm gonna leave you with three things. The first thing is your heart needs your mind to get it together. The minds of church people across this nation has stifled the movement of God because the heart of God calls us somewhere and then we, we, what, we do what? We take our minds and we begin to and then all of a sudden it's gone, poof, it's not happening. Church, get your minds out of the way and when God speaks to your heart, move. The second thing, your haunted heart can only survive when you decide to stand in those three ways. The only way you're going to stop being haunted by the enemy, stop being haunted by the past choices, stop being haunted by the broken hearts of the past, by the mess of the past, is if you decide to stand against the schemes, which means you better get some methodical ways about you when it comes to your spiritual walk. Sunday ain't enough and Wednesday won't make it either. But every day, moment by moment, decision by decision, in your household, God comes first. When prayer is skipped, you say, we can't do that again because I feel different. But this crazy thing happened last night. I didn't tell Ashley this because our kids have been sick. And I'm like, it's not, we had to explain them. It's not fair. Like, you just threw up like yesterday. We can't bring them today and expose and all that mess. And so you might want to stay away from me. But anyway, um, Charlotte said this. It's so crazy. I didn't even know she felt this way. She said, but daddy, I feel different when I don't go to church. And I had never heard that out of her before, ever. And I said, well, baby, that's because that's a part of the way that God builds you up and, and gets you ready for. I said, but baby, we're gonna, we're gonna seek him. We're gonna pray every day. We're gonna make it so that that's just a part of. But church, you should feel different when you skip. And you know why? Because when you skip, the enemy says, yes, I got a moment. And then I'm gonna take that moment, I'm gonna run. Don't let him run. Don't let them. And then if you don't hold on to the second thing, which is stop settling for substitutions. Now, nowadays, a great, you, when you go to Walmart, you need the great value brand because the other brand's $2 more. You know what I'm saying? It was made in the same factory and the same stuff. They just label it different. But that's not what we're talking about. Don't settle for the substitution. 
Don't settle for what looks. You better examine that mess and say, it better have the foundation of the heart of God before I allow it to become my heart. And if I see any way that I better, I better come back to that another time. And then the third thing is, you better find some people that aren't just yes people that are bold enough to look at you and say, you know what, this way in you, come on now. And if, and if you'll stand with me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bind arms. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like this picture, and I don't know if you've ever watched a movie like this, but I love these kind of movies where all of a sudden the kid or the, the person being bullied, they, they say, you know what, I've had enough, and they stand up. And they said, no, not today. And then, and then the music starts. And the music doesn't start in our real life, you know what I mean? But in the movie it does, and it's very exciting. Wouldn't it be cool if music, like right now, some music just, you know what I'm saying, like build up to the end. I've been watching these messages of these pastors, and at the end, in the different places, music starts and like I mean come on now I'm like y'all could jump up and play some right you know what I mean when it gets when it gets good right anyway in the movie right the the guy stands up or the woman stands up and says not today you ain't gonna abuse me today and then all of a sudden the the girl she shuts her locker and says you know what I'm behind her today you ain't gonna do it then the boy shuts his locker and says no not and then all of a sudden the bully's running the enemy is your bully and he's after your heart so if you'll start saying no then maybe your friend will say you know what he said no Let's start sending him back where he belongs. Let's stop. Let's stand. Let's bind together. Let's stop passing each other on a Sunday morning and not even acknowledging each other. Let's start having conversations. Let's stand in the coffee line and we can't shut it up because y'all are praying with each other and standing with each other and saying, where are you? How can I? Come on, church. Because when you get out this afternoon, he's been planning some things. And you know why I say when he gets out? Because there are people that have prayed over this space and this ain't his space. So he's got to wait to get out there to hear. Stop praying in your head and start praying out loud. Stop being in your head. Start being out loud. There's a reason you got to speak it out because he can't be in there unless you let him in. And I don't think any of you have let him in. So go speak to him and let him know how you feel about him. And start sending him back to the place he belongs, which is away from you. Because you are not his. And if you feel like you are and your heart's in that spot, you can have victory if you'll stand in these three ways. Then I believe you will stand out. And it's okay to stand out. Jesus stood out. But he stood out in humility. He stood out in a movement that he didn't need flags. He didn't need stuff. He didn't need, he didn't need anything. He just needed his heart to be connected to the heart of Christ. He just moved, he loved, and boy, society didn't like it. But church, you have the power of the Spirit of God to help you stand against, to help you withstand, and to help you stand firm. And look around. There should be a people around you to do that with you. God, today, we just ask that you would move, that you would ignite in us the strength and ability to live out these things and to say to the enemy, no longer are you going to haunt me. No longer are you going to haunt my heart. No longer are you going to take that, that broken time in my life and use it again. And so God, let us today be a people that stand and stand firm. And so today, vocally, we as a congregation, 
come against the enemy in the name of Jesus and we cast them out from our lives, from our hearts, from our families, from our children, from our relationships, from our families, from our extended families, from our workplaces. We are taking it back and we are standing out and stepping up and we are standing with you today, God. We love you. We pray today that you would just send your provenient grace out to prepare the way for us to step into. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Be careful if you're going away for fall break.